recorded live from Portland, Oregon. It's the Transamorous Network Podcast. Let's get it on. Welcome to the Transamorous Network. I'm Perry. I'm Remy. And we're having a wonderful time with this this new couple that we have met. I beautiful couple. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're so beautiful. Uh, African-American couple out of uh, Georgia. It's Georgia. Yes, Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. Tier and Samaya. Welcome to the show. Hi, Hi. how are you doing? Pleasure to be with you. So glad that you could make it. So glad that you guys are here. Awesome. So uh, how did we, how did we meet, Tier? I met as a result of uh, finding your trans-amorous project. uh, I I believe I, I came across it on Facebook or I was looking for a podcast that had a, uh, a trans subject matter and um, uh, you came up in the draw. I see. Lovely. I'm curious, why were you looking for that? Um, just because I'm in a relationship with a trans woman and I'd like to keep abreast of trans issues. Um, we're pretty involved in the community. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that I was keeping abreast of issues. Right on. Trans supportive, brother. I love totally it. Totally trans supportive. Yeah, That's totally. what I'm talking about. Pretty, pretty amazing. Okay, girl. Yes. <laughs> so, so, um, so this is Tier and I'm going to get the name. Samaya. Samaya, thank you. Tier and Samaya. And obviously, Tier is a trans attracted brother. And his wife, you've been married for Two? Don't look at me. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't, didn't. I actually didn't know that they three were three years now. Three years. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. On her birthday, August twenty second. Oh, it's coming yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. And so, obviously, obviously, Samaya is transgender. How long have we been together? Uh, in total, we've been together for seven. Years. Seven. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. Oh my gosh. So you guys have been together for a long time. Made me wait for that. Um, for that ring since. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 2010, yes, wow. so seven years. How did you guys meet? Um, well, it's funny. We actually met beforehand. Uh, we were uh, attending the same school together. He was working on his master, uh, no, his PhD at Georgia State, and I was an undergrad. Wow. And, and kept on encountering, encountering each, each other. other, and I guess he had peeped to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. We ended up, um, so then, you know, he tried to talk to me a couple times. and well, I, be, I'm, well, I wasn't really available at the time. I was in another relationship at the time. Um, Samaya, you know, she was, uh, you know, just, she was in a different place. Um, and uh, we, but we had mutual friends and we kept on circling around each other. Yes. Our mutual friends. So he was that guy that I would always see and I would be like, it's him again. <laughs> and he was always nice to me always kind and i could tell that he was attracted and then um through various iterations of like online you know whatever the hottest online meeting thing was at the time mm-hmm. he would always hit me up and i would see him and be like ah. <laughs> because at the time i think my value system was different i was looking for someone that was a little more flashy. Yeah, she was looking for that flashy dude. Because yeah. we live in Atlanta. Yeah. And so, and he did not have a vehicle. <laughs> and that was a deal breaker. I, I was between vehicles at the time. Um, <laughs> they are so cute. The, the weekend that I finally broke down and, and bought 
little putt putt uh, get around car was the the weekend that she conceded to go out with me on a friend date. Well, can I tell you what happened, y'all? Yes, it was please. so amazing. Talk hang to on, me on the phone. Hang on a second, Samia. 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 Samia but, but, is it Samia or Samia? Samia. Samia. So when you it, when you when you hang on hang on when you when you lean into the phone, the top half of your head gets cut off and we can only see your your mouth. So, so, so yes. <laughs> so yes, if you could talk like that, and then don't kick the table because when you kick the table, the phone vibrates. That's him, not me. I know, I know, I know it was. I know it was. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. So friend date, friend date, first friend date. I'm also the friend date, but before the friend date, before I even agreed to go on that, I told him a week before. I said we were talking, and I had finally reconnected, and he was like, "Do you remember me?" And I was like, "I have no clue who you are." And I kind of knew who he was, but you know, I didn't want to give him all that. Right. And so I was like, you know, I don't have no clue who you are. He was like, well, let me reintroduce myself. And he introduced himself and he told me what he did. He said he was a chemist and he worked at Coca-Cola. And I was like, okay. And as in the conversation, he revealed that he didn't have a car. And I was like, <laughs> I'm at the point in my life where the bare minimum standard for a man is that you're going to have to have a ride. Because I can't do the bus date no more. I'm I'm tired. You know, we can't do that. That's not safe. It's just not conducive to healthy. I just need to know you at least have that baseline. <laughs> and he said, okay, I'll call you back when I get a call. Oh. One week later, he calls me back and he goes, I got a call. Oh. A $1,000 piece of shit <laughs> from Craigslist that he bought. But it was a chariot to me. Because he bought that just to take me out. And I wouldn't even commit to a real date, so we did a friend date. And basically, the friend date never ended. We moved in together a week later, and now here we are seven years later. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. That's amazing, you guys. Now, Samaya. Thank you. Samaya. So I'm going to get it right. It just takes Tell her. Tell her. Tell her. Okay, so now you heard. Little hope. She told you. <laughs> I got you, girl. I'm okay. trying. <laughs> so, Samaya, so you're you're really clear about what was going on with you, and probably still are clear about what is going on with you. Were you so so? Tell us. So we're gonna flip flop back and forth between you and and Tier. So let's let's start with you. Where? How long did you know you were trans? Four years old. I remember um, my mother and I, my mother used, I have a sister that is a, just, a, just a year, like a year in between us. And my mother would bathe us together. And I remember my mother saying, I remember saying, what's wrong with her? Like pointing at my sister. Mm. And I remember, she's missing. Like what's wrong with her? And my mom goes, she's a girl and you're a boy. And I remember saying, I remember looking her right in her face and saying, no, man. No, I'm not a boy. Mm. I'm a girl. And I was like, something's wrong with her, pointing at my sister. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom goes, and she, I just remember this look on her face of like shock. And I was just like, I'm a girl. And she said, no, you're not. And I remember that was our last bath together. <laughs> and I also remember that my mom at that point began, began to like be really concerned for my safety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very concerned for my safety. I think she knew at a very young age that I had a, a very strong social an identity. Mm-hmm. And even 
growing up, I was not allowed to play with boys because the in my community, I'm from South Carolina, and in my community, I immediately became, for lack of a better phrasing, the town sissy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what year was this? Um. So I was born in 1983, 84, 85, 86, 87. So 1987. Okay. Uh, through. Yeah. So um, a lot of people talk about male privilege and what it is to go through this transition where you have to give up this privilege of being perceived as male. I was always perceived as an other, an it, mm-hmm. a thing, a small town. Mm-hmm. Literally time I had gotten to high school, the reputation about me had gotten to the point where people from adjacent high schools would come and ask my friends or my band members or the other people that I was around, where's this, where's the, the, the faggot? Because you know, they wanted to see me because I already had begun to kind of be gender queer, I guess is the term now, by high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so the, I presume that the that those circuit those situations those experiences had you become more strident in who you were as opposed to like turning inward or turning away from who you were is that right definitely so to give you more context my mother is a teacher and she taught in the same school district and at one point i went to the same school that she taught at and my father is a police officer hmm. And okay. so then had this connection to like the these like really like heteronormative, patriarchal, strong men. And my father kind of saw me as kind of an embarrassment at the time. Now we were good now, but at the time he perceived me as kind of an embarrassment. I was also burdened with being the eldest child. Mm. And I mean, um, and I was always very intelligent. I got straight A's in school. So I had that expectation of being like this standard bearer. Mm-hmm. And I was always made to feel like I was letting them down by being myself. Mm-hmm. So I had to always go out of my way to prove that what I looked like, what I sound like, and how I showed up in the world was not what people thought it was. I like to say that I live in exact um, defiance of other people's no's. Yeah. I've also no, and then I had to turn that no into a yes. Mm-hmm. So, so, and, and so I, okay, excuse me for what I'm about to say, because it may, t- it may make you a little angry. Um, so in this, in this space of defying other people's no's and turning them into yeses, what was it about Tierre not having, not conforming to the gender stereotype, especially the black male gender stereotype that he have a ride uh, that that made it a deal breaker for you. Had you been on so many bus ride dates and you were like, screw this, I'm not going to do that anymore? Or was it, what was it? It was being black, poor, mm-hmm. and friends in the South and being treated um, as a second-class citizen in so many different ways, and then having men particularly give me the least amount of what they had to offer, always giving, making me feel like what I was meant that I was not a real girl, so then I had to tolerate a certain level of treatment, a certain level of dating, a certain level of experience. 
And so by the time Tierra came into my life, I was a college graduate. I had already worked in corporate America and I had gotten used to seeing a certain standard of man. And so then in my mind, no vehicle equals no love because I have my coworkers and people that I work with. I see how they treat their wives, their girlfriends. And that's what I expected. And so I, was going to come at me with another version of what I had already experienced. Got it. So what? So I, I get that your parents have this background that that would instill the qualities that you seem to embody. So this is kind of a dumb question because I think I know the answer, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. So you're you're transing in the South. It seems to me that that the pressure of being trans in the South would create circumstances that are very hard to overcome and the stories that you could create about yourself and about what about your future could have you basically stuck in a no life having life how is it that you ended up going to college and then ended up working in the corporate world so i am i like to consider myself can i can you still see me am i good i'd like to consider myself a journey woman and so i ran away from home at um, 18. I came to Atlanta, Georgia. I lived, um, I had a boyfriend at the time and the relationship was abusive. I left, he was the person that moved me here. And then it was, I I was homeless um, for a while. Um, I had friends that had done, so let me tell you the real deal. I already knew, I had scholarships lined up I'm also an athlete. I was a runner. So I had athletic scholarships and I had academic scholarships lined up before I moved here. But because I would, I didn't think that I could live in my true experience, I abandoned all of that to come and live my truth with my what I thought was going to be lifelong boyfriend. Right. He ended up crazy and I ended up having to leave him. And that resulted in me connecting with these other trans women, these people like me, who we were young and 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 we just wanted to be ourselves and but because of my background i had very strong values about what i would allow myself to do and while my friends and i not i would go on the stroll with them and i would socialize with them because that was my social circle but they quickly ran me off the stroll because i wasn't selling i wasn't i couldn't put a price on myself because i felt like I could never explain to my police officer father <laughs> why I could why I why something like that would be an option. Yeah. Still wanted to prove to them that being who I was didn't mean that I had forgotten all they taught me. Mm-hmm. And so I watched my friends go through the struggle and I struggled harder than them because truthfully they were had income and I didn't. Um, but I watched my friends struggle and go through that. And I said to myself, wait a minute, I did an assessment. I had met someone that was in college and they were getting refund checks. And I was like, and real talk, I went to college because I realized that they would pay for my rent. I realized that I was smart enough that I could get into, I did really well on my SATs and I was smart enough to know that I could get into any school basically here in Atlanta. Like they weren't really that competitive. I had gotten into really big schools that I didn't take the scholarship for. So I was like, yeah, I'll apply. I Googled schools in downtown Atlanta and Georgia State came up. I looked at the requirements, knew I could get in, got a scholarship. 
and started like that next semester. Now my journey there was long. I dropped out different times. It took me eight years to get out, but I knew that I already had the capacity to handle college and I felt empowered enough that I knew that if I went to school, I could get my bills paid. So that's just what I used college for. I maxed out on all of my loans. I got all of the scholarships that are available. And that's how, that was my strategy of survival. It was school. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's pretty, that's still, that's pretty awesome what you were able to do and to have the presence of mind to do it in the face of what I can imagine some pretty big hardships. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay. So what were you now? I think I asked you this already. If, if I ask a question that you don't like or don't want to answer, just say you don't want to answer it. Okay. Um, what I'm was, okay. So, I'm a, right now. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Have mercy. Okay. So when you, when you were, when you moved to Atlanta and you're hanging out with your friends and your friends were doing the survival sex um, and you were not with the guy that you were with because he was abusive. Um, what were you, were you dating? And if you were dating, what, okay. So what were the, what were the stories that you had about dating men? <laughs> Your laugh is very, very problematic. But <laughs> so I've heard a lot of the stories. Oh, I'm sure. And we've, oh yes. I always knew that I was beautiful. I always knew that the power in being a beautiful woman was not giving up the sex. Mm. Um, and and I, or at least I felt like I was too pretty to have to do that. So I always had, and the way I like to say it is, I depended on the kindness of strangers. <laughs> She's a Southern girl, Tier. <laughs> South Carolina, born and bred. Yes. So I had an understanding that I could just, I, I, he calls it the wink and wiggle. But I <laughs> to, to have a certain influence over men. And so I've always had some type of financial supporter, mm. um, some type of benefactor, mm-hmm. someone appreciated all that I was, and I didn't necessarily have to be engaged in sexual. Like I've, I've been a serial relationship type person. I've always been. Some people would say kept mm-hmm. in a way. Um, being honest, mm-hmm. and so a lot of relationships had this power dynamic where I was not really given access to capital or resources that would make me independent, but I was always taken care of. Got it. Got it. And make, yeah. And make comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you, whenever you met these guys, whenever you met these guys, did you always let them know that you were trans? Always. Hmm. Uh, because I didn't see trans as necessarily being a negative. Um, because of my ability to pass, because I am pretty, it actually was an intru- and, 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 and a point of intrigue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very discreet about who I've dated, but I've dated a lot of, I've dated professional athletes, 
dated. I've dated very successful real estate developers. I've, de- I've dated a certain um, level of man. And so then um, being trans was an asset and not a negative in that in the dating life. Mm-hmm. Now, in red life, it was hard. I still had people discriminating on me for jobs. I still had to deal with, you know, being you know, physically violent situations in public. But as far as my dating life, I've always had somebody that had me. Very interesting. Hmm. Such a different experience than most of the people we speak with. Everyone's got a different story. That's right. That's right. Okay, Tierra, your turn. So um, how how long did you know that you were trans attractive? And how did you find that out? Um, I would say the onset of puberty, but I actually had a I would say I was always fascinated with um, uh, uh, seeing people that played with gender from a young age you know even seeing you know like the uh, Sally Jesse Raphael uh, guest members or Donahue guest members or the mm-hmm. you know the, the the drag queen they would bring out on a sitcom to, to make a punchline but it was always there was always a fascination and response for me from that. So with the onset of puberty, I went through a, uh, a push pull as far as uh, my attraction to this, um, um, because you know I, I was raised in the South in a, in a pretty conservative religious background, um, and um, you know. My my introduction to uh, a lot of the the racier aspects of it was through like you know illicit things I got illicitly like uh, getting porn at a uh, at at underage you know and and flipping to the back and seeing like the advertisements for you know transsexuals or you know she males or whatever um, and and having this this strong physical reaction and going through this, you know, push pull of, of, uh, shame and then, uh, acknowledgement of this, of this attraction. Um, it wasn't until, uh, midway through my college experience that I really, um, made a decision to, to take, take this attraction out of my head as far as, um, you know, the, the, fantasy of it and actually try to meet a trans person and see how that would be. And how did, and what did you do to exercise that? It was very roughshod. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, um, one of my first experiences was actually, uh, getting a, a book from a, a adult books, uh, adult bookstore. Um, and it, I didn't know it was at the time, but it was a swingers magazine. There, uh, there was a very much a uh, a strong um, element of trans advertisement in there. And I didn't realize at the time that the people ad- advertising were escorts. I just thought they were looking for companionship. So <laughs> I I called one of the numbers. <laughs> at 17, 18 years old. I called one of the numbers. She was very gracious with me. Uh, she invited me over to her place and, you know, we sat and, you know, had a conversation and everything. And, you know, none of her business ever came up, but, um, uh, it was, it was, uh, uh, a rough,
rough ex rough curve as far as uh, I'm sure world. she was very disappointed. Very, I'm sure she was very disappointed. <laughs> Are you being she serious? Knew, I think she knew when she saw how young I was and how inexperienced I was, it wasn't going to be a fruitful situation for her. But she was very gracious anyway. Very nice. Um, so uh, in my, I was home for college one summer, um, and I just decided I'm going to meet a transsexual woman and see how this is, you know, see see what it's like. So I went to um, the gay clubs to the to the drag night um, to see if I could you know, meet a transsexual woman. Um, all the people that were, uh, I mean, I don't even know if they're transsexual, but the only people that were of that, uh, you know, of the, of the, the gender nonconforming variety were the ones that were performing on stage and not, I didn't really have access to them. So funnily enough, I was driving on my way home and I pull up to a red light and, you know, the car beside me pulls up and there's this, garishly dressed woman in the in the front passenger seat and I could tell immediately this is a performer this is not this is not this is a non-gender conforming person but the person in the back was this beautiful brown woman and she had seen my my she I guess she had watched my eyes attract to her friend in the passenger seat but she started tapping on the window and rolled down her window and shouted out her number to me and I had my first date Oh, wow. Isn't it funny how he, he went out looking, trying mm -hmm. to, you, you went out trying to manufacture the hookup, and then it didn't happen. And then on your way home in this kind of inconsequential way, you, you got what you wanted. Yeah, it, it's, it's funny how sometimes you, you call and the universe answers in a way that you don't expect. Exactly. Usually. Yeah, exactly. It's usually the way you don't expect it. So what, so what <laughs> happened? What happened um, with that date? Uh, so she was, um, as I say, I was, uh, I was probably 20 or 21 years old. Um, I was home for the summer, just working a temp job, uh, trying to figure out this whole, what I'm doing as far as college. And, uh, I took her to, uh, I think I took her to a Chinese restaurant. Um, and, uh, she didn't look the same in like that she did at nighttime. <laughs> You're so politically uh, correct in your wordage. So I, my mother taught me to be a gentleman, and uh, you know we had a we had a fun time on the date. Afterwards, I took her to the movies, and it got hot and heavy at the movies. <laughs> like I don't know what movie we went to see, but I know that I had to get her home immediately after the movies, and that's when I really got an introduction to what the trans life had to offer. Yeah. So, <laughs> so her look did not affect what eventually happened. <laughs> exactly. Right. So you were basically confirmed, you basically, yes, you basically confirmed that you were trans attracted. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Very nice. And then, so that relate, I presume that relationship didn't go anywhere? No, I, it was, as I said, I was just home for the summer and I started getting a drift from like, seeing her home environment, she was rooming with another trans woman, and seeing their interactions together, uh, I kind of got the feeling that she was in a alternative uh, employment situation. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I don't... I, 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 the only person she was seeing on a romantic basis. Got it. So I, I 
we take her seriously. Even though she had an affinity for me and she really wanted me to like really engage with her more, mm-hmm. there was, there was a, 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 a stark age difference. She was probably about 10 years my senior at the time. And, you know, seeing, I was green, I was green as they come, but I, I knew enough to know this is, this is probably not, you know, dating material. I can't bring her home to mom. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that mm-hmm. you're, you are, most of the men that we have spoken with, if not all of them, are very smart men. Mm-hmm. And Thierry here has a PhD, your, PhD, your PhD is in chemistry? Actually, I didn't. I didn't finish my PhD. I actually um, exited that PhD program and went into the uh, the work industry. So oh. uh, I just work as a chemist now. I see. Uh, I, come from- I see. So you're yes. all but dissertation. He got distracted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the course of that PhD, I was actually in another relationship with the young lady, and uh, things went east, west, <laughs> south. Every direction, but what the direction they were supposed to go. Okay. So, yeah, that was that didn't happen. What are your What are your parents? I presume you're out with your parents. Uh, my my father's passed. Um, and funnily enough, um, the weekend that I buried my father, I came out to my mother. Um, my uh, my parents were never together while I was alive. They had. I was, I turned myself funnily as an oops baby, (laughs) an exit prize. (laughs) Um, They were together probably around 10 years. So I have an older sister that's almost 10 years older than me. And um, they were getting close to divorce when I was conceived. Um, So I I never lived in the household with my father. Um, So it was always with my mother. Um, And my father... He was a brilliant man, but he was unfocused and he chose to live a life of, how can I say it? Um, he chose to live a more simple life than what could have been allotted to him. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a college degree. He was a, a, a lieutenant adjutant in the ROTC at his college, um, but he chose to live life of, of just a simple handyman. Um, he kind of had a disdain for a, a white collar lifestyle. Uh, I, I don't know where that came from because, uh, as I as I say, I didn't really have a chance to to grow up in his household. And so, you, when you came out to your mom, how how did that? I hope that wasn't like the same day as the wake or whatever. It was the day after the the memorial service, so uh, it was. I thought. Brilliant timing at the time, just because it was a weight off my shoulders, and it was—I felt it like it was a tribute to my father, who lived in a in a way that he wanted to unapologetically. Okay. But uh, at the, you know, thinking about it now, it was a very insensitive thing to do. So what? How, how but, did it happen? How did it go? Uh, I w- I went down for the memorial. I was living here in Georgia t- at the time. Um, I was in a relationship with. Uh, a young woman, the young woman previously to me meeting uh, Samaya, and um, I had tried to, I had actually taken her down to to meet my mother previously and made an attempt to make that introduction to her and and kind of come out. My mother had an idea of 
my predilections just because we'd lived in the same household at uh, in in different periods of time as a, with me as an adult, and um, I'd spent time up in Minnesota living with a trans woman, um, and they'd had phone interactions, but they never met in, in uh, person, but. Uh, my mother was able to tell that the direction I was going, even if she wasn't able to um, express So uh, I took that opportunity to just like clear the air fully that I'm your son, uh, I'm attracted to trans women, I am currently with a trans woman. Um, and what did she say? Uh... <laughs> torpedo is probably a good word for describing it um you know even even if you have a, a an inkling of what the person is about or uh, what what they're into um you know having that confirmation especially at that time right after she had buried um man that was you know at, at one point in time going to be the love of her life it was it was i I kind of dropped the bomb and ran. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and then I went out with friends. Mm. Her with another friend of mine. Actually, she was an ex-girlfriend of mine that had come down in support of me for the memorial at the time. Mm -hmm. and, and the ex-girlfriend kind of, I, I, left, I left to go back to Georgia. I had to get back to work. And the girlfriend had to stay for overnight and she kind of was able to witness and pro witness my mom processing this information I gave her and she was kind of gobsmacked by this. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that's it is kind of unfortunate, but how is she now about it? Uh, it was still it it was a, it was very much she's fine with it now. Her and Samaya are building a relationship together. They're both Leo women. So <laughs> I always <laughs> Um, but uh, she's a dream <laughs> <laughs> it was not smooth sailing because at the at first um before we um Samaya and her didn't really come together in the same room together amicably until until our wedding reception wow. oh wow wow so the recept does the reception come before or after the wedding can I okay let me give you because he's let me give you a little context here. So I met his when I started dating Tier initially before his mother knew that I was trans. We would have like you know minimal conversations on the phone, and then at some point she asked, or I think maybe I had met his sister, mm. and she and I had had the conversation. His sister lives here in Atlanta, or Douglasville, a suburb of Atlanta. And um, I had had the conversation with her, so I guess she let her mom know. So then the mother, um, I, I remember it was like a Christmas, and I had sent a Christmas card. We had been together for about two years at that point. Two or three years. Yeah. Two or three years, and I had sent her, his mother a Christmas card. Well, I would always send her a Christmas card, but this particular time, I sent her a Christmas card, and I signed it. Mm -hmm. Talking to him for about six months. About six months. Um, she just stopped speaking to him. She stopped turning calls and was like, she was just over it. And so um, that 
kind of informed and that kind of informed how I felt about her. Because in my mind, oh, those who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of you. But I don't have, you know, if you, you know, yeah. God bless you, but um, <laughs> you can just, you know, go about your life. And, um, but, you know, um, over time, I think, so we would, I had met, by that point, he started introducing me to family. He started very early introducing me to his family. So I had met every member of his family but his mom. Mm-hmm. And they all had nothing but good things to say about me. Mm-hmm. So was kind of wore down by the tide of me over, like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about going to family reunions. And if I came, she wouldn't show up. How did she know you oh, were coming? Wow. Family, you know, like, yeah. because I, yeah. at the end, you know, the, the, it, she coming, you know, it was, it was a thing still. And so the mom wouldn't show up if I was there. She kind of consciously avoided family gatherings that I would be at. But meanwhile, I'm deepening relations with the rest of this family. Mm-hmm. By the time he proposed to me and we were going to get married, she had to accept the fact that at some point, okay. I'm going to have to meet this person. He had even attempted to bring me down to Florida to meet her. And um, we were on her way to her house and she rejected it. Like she was, she was not, not, we were at her house. I passed by the house. Wow. Cause we, she just didn't want to meet me. Wow. So the wedding, actually the reception was when um, the mother and I had our first encounter and it wasn't great. How'd it go? What and happened? actually had a change with her before the reception. Yeah, I had an exchange with her when she was checking into um, the hotel that we were having it at. And um, she saw me, knew who I was, and I knew who she was. And she goes, <laughs> And my response as another Leo woman was, <laughs> <laughs> And I was with a girlfriend at the time who was helping me get ready for the wedding. And I was actually headed out to my, my um, bachelorette party uh-huh. the night before. And I was very sexually dressed. And so I guess maybe that informed, too, her opinion of me because yeah. I was you know, scared to win. And so she, she kind of like did the, and I did it back at her. And my girlfriend goes, who was that? And I was like, oh, that's my mother-in-law. <laughs> Wait a minute. When, when you and, went, wait a minute. When, oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. When, when, so, Samaya, when you went ah, back at her, what did she do? She was horrible. <laughs> like, I, I, like, we were, like, she was, I guess she thought I was just going to be like, oh. And just to give context, she was literally her mother-in-law at the time because we, we had our wedding ceremony in Hawaii, and we had a reception three weeks later for friends and family that wouldn't be able to make it. So we were married at the time. <laughs> so I didn't feel like I had to prove nothing to her. Honey, I'm here. You're going <laughs> You know what I mean? So I, at that point, I was just like, you know, I don't, I mean, again, I could have had a VA. So I wasn't really pressed about <laughs> I wasn't really pressed about it, you know. But my girlfriend goes, that's your mother-in-law? And I was like, yes. And she was like, girl, you're going to have to do better. 
And I was like, I know, but I just wasn't prepared for that reaction. And she gave it to me, so I gave it back. So we had a the next morning, um, this was the night before we were going out. We stayed in the hotel that night, and then the next morning we had a marriage blessing slash reception. I got dolled up back in the dress. I did the big grand entrance down this big ballroom right down the staircase immediately into our first dance. And so she's watching me in my element. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I had already been I had already been working in community. I had a lot I had a very I was very involved here in the trans community in Atlanta. So I had all of that, all of that love in the room. We had a, we had all of our guests. I had people and my parents were also there. Mm-hmm. So my mother and father, who I didn't think would ever attend my wedding, were also in the room. And so his mother was the last of my concern. My mama, my daddy was my concern. Right. So, and they had never really seen, I, I would like to say, me in my full regalia. Mm-hmm. We had an Indian-themed wedding. So I'm like draped, garbed, in all of this jewelry. You know, I had, I mean, it was just like I was, I was carrying some shit on me. <laughs> and so my father, that was his first time seeing me at like the apex of my beauty. I mean, and, and and I had invested in my little outfit and garment and things. So he, that was his first time seeing me in my fullness. And I watched my father cry. And this is the same man that was like so negative all of these years and just so anti, but he cried and he told me that I was beautiful. Oh my and that was the first time my father had ever said it. Oh my gosh. And mother, I think, witnessing me surrounded by this love and then seeing my parents also feeling awkward but then seeing their reaction I think it softened her and she was willing to at least begin having a relationship so after the reception we went out that night for like little cocktails with his mom and some of his family and from there it was baby steps now we are still very strong, opinionated women. So it's still like, hey, hey, you know, <laughs> there's always that awkwardness in the beginning. But she respects me and I respect her on such a deep level. She respects me because I'm still here and her son has risen from the ashes under my tutelage. And would you agree with that, Tier? That sure. I improved his quality yeah. But at the same time, she still had to adjust to her values and her systems behind it. And when she realized that I was a woman of standard, that I was a woman of God, that I was a woman of, of community, that I was educated, that I could speak the level and have the level of conversation that she would expect of a daughter, and, she was, and I was beautiful and she could be proud to show me to people, she eventually came around. And now, you know, when she calls him, we end up talking longer than they talk. Wow. Um, yeah. So mama likes me <laughs> and, and and I like her. <laughs> um, but it was a road and a it journey. It was a road and a journey. A western road. But it's such a it's a such a perfect story of how it's a beautiful story. Yeah, it's a beautiful story of how you can come around and you know, it's funny that you kind of gave back what she gave to you that first encounter. And it was like, you set, you kind of set the bar of what the relationship was going to be. You didn't take no shit, so to speak. 
and she respects my gangsta. So even now, right. I still have like conversations where she'll try to hit me with the respectability, and I'm like, I didn't ask for your feedback. <laughs> Love you, <laughs> and I was an elder, but I asked for none of your feedback, and you can keep that. Wow. And she'll be like taken back, but then the le- it, it deepens her level of respect because now she knows what I expect. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's funny because yeah. how they gonna treat you. Yeah. And I feel like this, if I could look my daddy in the eye and my mom in the eye and tell them, you know, either it is or it ain't, and if you're not with it, you can get the hell on. I'm not definitely not afraid to tell somebody else, mama. Right. Yeah. Right. Right on. It, it's like be on my page, or we not gonna be around each other. Right. And Things have gone good. <laughs> it's so interesting because we don't often have, while well, we, we talk to a lot of very strong trans women and trans attractive men, we don't, I don't remember a story as powerful as this one that you're telling. It's like, you know, you, you talk about being at the apex of your beauty during your wedding. It's, you're like so far the apex of an example of a powerful trans woman and what that can mean. I mean, Nikki Aragruz, do you know, do you know Nikki Aragruz cues? Cruz? Not persons, but I do know her through community. Okay. So we had her on the show just before we started this show with you guys, and we couldn't finish the interview because the internet connection was really bad. But she comes off in the same powerful way that you're that you're occurring. It's like there's some trans women who they just they're in their power. Yes, yes. And and that and that can have not only a transformative relate transformative effect around who they're around, but when they get married to a guy, that can like transform that guy's experience, that life, the guy's life experience. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's what it's done. Would you agree to that, Tier? Definitely. Yeah. I definitely am not living a life I would otherwise. So what would let's play let's play into that. What what would you otherwise be doing, do you think? Um, I think uh when I say that being with a uh, trans woman with like Samaya, I'm not only marrying her, I'm marrying into the community that she resides in. It's like we have some technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen. Just we'll get it right back. Just one moment. So welcome back. We had a couple of technical difficulties, but uh, I think we got it worked out. So Tier, you were just about to tell us, or you were in the process of telling us how being with Samaya has you living a life that you wouldn't have lived other lives otherwise. So what would that life have looked like, you think? Well, I come from a a very uh, conservative Black Southern background. Um, I was steeped in uh, African African Methodist uh, Episcopal religion. Um, So we're very uh, constricted in our points of view. I'd probably be married with kids right now. but I wouldn't have the life that I'm living now. I, I've, as a result of being with Samaya, I've married into a community. And as a result of that, I've gained um, several mothers, <laughs> uh, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters. Um, it, it's, it's like, at least here in Atlanta, it's a community that um, tries to meld together and tries to stay abreast of each other yeah. um, because we do live in a very adverse situation at you the do. end of the day. Yeah, you do. So it's, it's interesting. So um, 
what so we're gonna we're gonna end the show because it's been a really good good amount of time we've spoken with you guys and maybe it would be nice to have you guys back on at some point in the future if you're mm -hmm. open to that but as we, we would love oh great but as we wrap up the show um i want to ask both to samaya and to you tier what would you yeah. say to a guy like yourself tier or a guy who might be interested in you samaya who is not out like Tier is, who's struggling with who they are, who hasn't really owned it yet and doesn't know, they're kind of lost, you know what I'm saying? And then and then also, what? so what would you say to that guy based on your experience, both of you? And then also, what would you say to a trans woman who is believing that she could never in her wildest dreams have what you have, Samaya? What would you say to that kind of person also? Okay. So to the gentleman that would be trans attracted that um, has not yet embraced his truth in, as far as that being a preference, I would and, and but is still interested in getting to know a woman like myself, I would say you need to be intentional and about where you're in about connecting to community and not just connecting to an individual for sexual purposes like if you really are trying to get to know and date and engage and live with them, you have to be um, comfortable meeting her where she is and also loving the people that she loves because a lot of times the family the chosen families the people that we've created these are the people that have sustained us. Right. These are the people that have loved us when our own family did not have the language or the ability to embrace us in the way that we needed to be. So I've had mothers, really strong, older mothers that have came into my life and really helped craft me as a woman that I was that didn't birth me, but that are trans women who embraced me. Amen. And Cheryl Courtney Evans, I beloved the, the late great Cheryl Courtney Evans and the late great Alicia Newsom, my mom's RIP ladies. They had a very strong impact on me as a person, and my husband was willing to embrace that. On our second date, I had already been working in a community, and I was giving a cultural competency training for a black church. He came and supported me in that training. So you, if you're looking for a certain caliber of trans woman, and you're looking for someone that is is at that place in their life where they are um, somewhat aware, because I do believe that not just a physical transition is necessary, but also giving someone a chance to mentally get to a place where they've accepted themselves. Yes. You need some women that are in community, engaged, and you're going to have to then go get out of your comfort zone, stop going to clubs and online and to these hookup spots to meet women and actually yes. connect right. them places where we engage and conduct ourselves and live. Yes, well said. So one my advice would be the woman in my situation who doesn't think that that's possible, it is raise the bar, sister. The days come and gone where we have to accept the random trade that will just say, just have sex with us in, 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 that, in that closed encounter. There are men, there are professional men that are out there, but what it requires though is that you elevate yourself to a place internally where you can receive that love. Yes. And understand that everybody that comes into your life is not a John. Everybody that comes into your life is not someone that's trying to take from you and be aware enough of yourself to receive that love. Very well said, Samia. Samaya. Very well said. 
Uh, from my perspective, I would say uh, to the brother out there, first of all, a lot of men, um, their first experience uh, having a trans woman on their radar is through um, uh, sex, through porn, um, you know, uh, so they're, you're going to have to divorce yourself of that, uh, that expectation that that trans women are there for your sexual pleasure, for your approval. No, I mean, there are women that will try to lure you, uh, you know, uh, they'll try to get your attention. Smile's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, say it now, what you say? Um, through sex, because that's a, that's a surefire way of getting a man's attention. <laughs> A man has to understand that you're, when you're looking for a relationship with another person, you're taking that person on 100%. You're not just taking on that person's looks, you know, how they, how, how they look on your arm. You're taking on that person's, how they interact with their family, their, their history, you know, the trauma that they've been through in life. The, the, the relationships they have with their parents, with their friends, you know, the, 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 the experiences they've been through professionally and just on a day-to-day -day basis. And you have to be willing to accept that. You have to um, distance yourself from this preconception of, you know, uh, you know, men, all, all, um, men that are trans attracted are always tagged with um, being gay. And you're going to have to divorce yourself of that word being a stigma um, because at the end of the day, you know who you're attracted to, um, and being, you know, being called gay is is uh, a lot of people people put that that label on everything that they're not willing to accept. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have to broaden your aspect. You have to broaden your your horizons on what you do accept because at the end of the day we're all people we're all trying to get by day to day so uh you know you might have to you know you might find yourself at a gay club you know you might uh make friends with gay people you know that and that that's been a, a stigma that a lot of people especially in the black community they have uh preconceptions about them that you have to do away with um you know, there's a, a there's a broad spectrum as far as sexuality and as far as um, people's expression of their sexuality. Yeah. And then for the trans women. And as far as the trans women, like Samaya was saying, uh, uh, again, I mean, I see this again and again. Women sell themselves short. Trans women have to embrace their womanhood first. Being a woman means you have the power in a relationship. At the end of the day. <laughs> Oh choose women choose who they're going to be with yes. women make the right yeah. women are and trans women have to embrace their womanhood enough to be able to make the choice for themselves and and, and, and not just accept what's given to them um, as far as substandard men they have to as I said raise the bar they have to expect better for themselves and as I was saying earlier you need to Teach people how you want them to treat you. 
Um, you have to train people in how, the, how you want to be treated. You, you can't just accept um, mistreatment and you can't let it go by. Samaya, at the very beginning of our relationship, I said some things that were inappropriate and, uh, you know, just some, uh, I, I would make a flippant joke about, you know, some of the stereotypes of trans women as far as being, you know, like uh, scam artists or something like that. And Samaya would pull, pull my collar up very quickly and get me right together, let me know that that's not okay, that she needs to be respected. Um, and, and my community needs to be respected, and everybody doesn't have the privilege that I have been blessed to have, and we will not look down on my sisters, mm -hmm. and we will not joke about it, we will not make it something that is funny, because it's not funny, because the reality of it is the woman that you see today is a woman who came through all of that struggle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not funny, because it's not, yeah. and I have to... Him. And he and I was he was man enough to be able to accept that level of that level of engagement. But I'm a cultural competency trainer by trade, yeah. so I'm comfortable engaging. I train officers, people at universities, schools. I go on the tour circuit, so that's what yeah. I do. So what I was saying was that um, you um, you have to be able to uh, you know be able to engage with that person before you at the end of the day. Um, you know, uh, you can't treat somebody as just a caricature, as a stereotype, as somebody that, um, you know, you have your idea of. You have to really listen to that person and hear what they've been through and really try to make a connection with that person. Because at the end of the day, it's just two people, you know, it's just two people talking to each other. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to say something else. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, well, anyway, yes, definitely. It, it's you. You have to engage with the person on an individual level, and you, and gentlemen, uh, mind your manners. Mind your manners. You know, um, you know, treat treat her like a lady, as as many songs have said. Because yeah. you have to be, uh, you have the opportunity to spend time with a beautiful woman in front of you, and you have to take full advantage of that, and avail yourself, and put your best foot forward. Well, Tierre and Samaya, thank you so much for spending so much time. It's been um, such a pleasure. It has been a wonderful pleasure, and we'll be happy to have you guys on again later uh, later on. Yeah. yeah. And for the rest, for the audience, for the listeners and the viewers, thanks for, for um, tolerating the technical difficulties we've had on this show. We, don't, we haven't had Hi. that usually. Um, but we really appreciate you sticking through it, and tune in next time. We'll have an even as interesting show that's right with always as interesting, interesting. guests because it is it's always interesting always. and uh in the meantime remember to like and share and tell your friends yes like and share and tell your friends and we'll see you next time bye-bye be a guest on the trans network podcast send an email to info at transamorousnetwork.com